Welcome to Clamp the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. Nope, let's start that one again. Hello and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we talk about everything relating to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me as always is Morley Kurt and Adam Mackey. Before we get into the show today, we're going to talk about the Clamp Challenge update. For those who don't know, Clamp Challenge is a challenge we put on here at the podcast to turn a clamp into something fun, functional, or artistic, or make your own clamp. Um, and basically, you can win some awesome prizes. Uh, Morley, I think there's a couple of projects that you wanted to talk about this week. Yes. The main one I want to talk about is RLL Woodworks and DIY, the Thor hammer that he made. It was such a fun video. It reminded me of those five minute crafts videos where they like take a penny, put it in a banana, paint the banana so it looks shut, put it in the floorboards, cover it with hot glue, paint it all shut. Like the fact that there is a clamp inside of this hammer is hilarious. And I love yes. it. It's so fun. I agree. Um, another uh, one that we had, and it was a while ago that it actually got put in, but I think there was a hashtag problem because it was a reel, uh, was Chad's Custom Creation. He put in a sign clamping jig uh, for basically speeding up his uh, process of drilling a hole into a bunch of signs that he's been making. Uh, so go check that one out. It's pretty cool. It's a nice functional clamp. As opposed to a lot of the fun art ones, this one's just a functional one. Keep it going. You're on a roll. <laughs> no, Bring us this, home. This, and this, no, this is where Adam then talks about the third You're just one. Just pause and hope that someone else continues it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's three of us and three things written down well, to talk about. I was I was muted. Um, I was I was just trying to look because for some reason my Instagram's not actually updating. Oh, okay. Um, well, then I will talk about uh, silver you hair and also, so you're also missing one because you haven't put Jeff's up. His is uh, not done. His is not done. We can talk about it though. If you want to talk about the Clampasaurus, we can. Well, yeah, it's about updating the challenge. It's not just okay. only um, Adam, talking about Senderuski. Talk about it. Talk about it. Okay. Well, Jeff has. Uh, he's. I don't know what he's making. A dinosaur, I think, because he's calling it Clampasaurus. But it's pretty cool. He's got. G clamps slash C clamps. Um, and he's added threaded teeth to it. It looks hectic. Yeah. It yeah, looks like it'll hurt. Mm. Well, it made some dents in some wood. So home defense system, DIY home defense system. <laughs> All right. I will talk about uh, the fourth one then. Uh, Silverhair and Sawdust put out a book press using one of the old hand screw, wooden hand screw clamps. Uh, it's a really uh, neat looking book press, and uh, I think it's an awesome little project. I, I love seeing how all the people who have been modifying the old hand screw clamps, like Emmett from Dead Rise Woodcrafts, his little like pen turning and, and treescape was really cool. So. Lots of people doing cool stuff with those clamps. I feel like the hand screw sure. clamps are the most easily suited to making something out of. Cause you have all that wood, you have two screws. There's like a lot of stuff to work with right. versus like a quick clamp or an F clamp or a squeeze clamp. There's just not as much going on. It's, it's pretty bare bones. 
and even with the material that's there, it requires a tool set that a woodworker may not have. True. To make yes. something really, mm-hmm. really crazy. Not like mine, where I used some spring clamps to hold up gloves. <laughs> it's, it's not a very exciting project, but it's done. And that means I'm the first one of the hosts, unless morally cheats, uh, I'm the first one of the hosts to get his done. <laughs> I I want to apologize. Um, I was very distracted just then because I was trying to search the hashtag. I can't see Thor's hammer or anything. Um, I can't see – I saw the book press, but I can't see the sign clamping jig and I can't see Thor's hammer. So I yeah. apologize for not being all there just then. Um, well, you have to go when you're I'll searching sure for – after. There's a tip for the listeners out there. If you're searching a hashtag and you go into it, at the top you'll see uh, there's a reels and posts. And you have to – if you're looking for – you have to look at both of them to see all the different things. And that's the problem is that's why Chad's custom creation didn't pop up because he posted as a reel. And same with RRL, RRL, RLL Woodworks and DIY. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Thinking about ways to repair your uh, – di- no, I don't know. I don't got a good one for this. But we're going to talk about repairs this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and maybe later we can think about this and repair it by putting in a better segue. Not a chance. So, <laughs> sorry to cut it again, but you forgot another clamp challenge I, en- entry. What? We, we You talked about it in the pre-show, but you didn't talk about your entry. Yeah, I did. You weren't paying attention. Okay. Mr. Lozenge. (laughs) Yeah, Mr. You're sick and you (laughs) should. All right. We're going to talk about repairing things this week. Uh, I I think Morley has the the best recent experience about this. So Morley, take it away. Yeah. So this week, uh, last week, actually on Saturday, I did the free 3D printed repairs at the Maker Bean Cafe in Toronto, which was a ton of fun. A lot of lessons learned. I want to do it again. Um, and I guess just speaking about the event first, one thing I was thinking about leading up to it was this is a great street location. We got all this foot traffic. All these people will come by and will come inside and they'll get something repaired. But what I didn't think about is that if you're coming to a repair store, you usually need something in advance that you already want repaired. So what actually was fantastic for the marketing was all these neighborhood Facebook groups. Um, and a lot of people found it through that, especially because the unintended target demographic for this many middle-aged people tend to be on these neighborhood Facebook groups. So it kind of like was like the perfect spot for, to advertise it. So for the next one, I'm definitely going to like use that resource again and probably post it like a few weeks in advance rather than a few days in advance. But regardless, it was still like, pretty solid turnout, like got enough footage for a healthy 11, 12 minute video, got introduced a lot of people to 3d printing. Like it's very interesting that we always talk about how 3d printing is becoming so commonplace, but there's still so many people who have never seen it. Uh, they don't know how it works and they're amazed to just watch a printer work. I think that is something that, that your life experience has made you think 3D printing is so much more mainstream than it is. And I keep, every time you say it, you're like, oh, 3D printers are everywhere. And I'm like, they're not. You just well, they see, are, they are so and they aren't. 
They, they, I mean, it's, it depends what population you're talking about. I think if you're talking about like a 12 or 13 year old, they are a lot more common than a 50 year old. Yeah. But the, I, I, I know what you're trying to say, but I still don't think they're as commonplace as you think they are. Right. Well, I, I, I can't they- debate that. <laughs> um, but it was, it, it was a good turnout for, for the first one. It was, it was really fun. And I think one thing that I was really curious, like what sort of items we were going to get, because for a lot of the stuff I do in my own life, it's like fixing annoyances in my apartment. And it's, it's a lot of stuff that's really specific to me, but I know that like you can use 3d printing for infinite things and everyone's going to have their own sort of take on the concept. So one interesting kind of theme I saw was that you have people who are very attached to a specific item and it may be cheaper to buy a new item, but they don't want to buy the new item. Even if it is cheaper, they want the one they have to just be the way it used to be. And they're willing to pay money, spend effort to get it back to that state. And and part of it is um, being eco-conscious and not wanting to have all the waste of buying an entirely new thing and throwing 90% of a perfectly good thing away that's just missing one little plastic piece um, but I think a lot of it too is people just like, if you have a thing that works and you really like, they want to uh, maintain it. And it was really cool to see how much joy it brought people when they realized that whatever item they have, like they could now have again. Um, so knowing that now I'm, I'm excited to like tap into that a little more. And I think that's one of the ways that like 3D printing has a really great use is that it allows you to bring these things back to life that might be pretty difficult to do with other fabrication methods. Hmm. It's really cool. How, um, how long was your longest print? The longest one was about an hour and 15 minutes. It was still like relatively small. Uh, it was just, uh, yeah. yeah. It, Cause I printed this cat, right. And it's hollow inside. It took six and a half hours and it's not that big. And I'm thinking, it must have taken a while to print some of the stuff people would need. Yeah. So I mean, you're of- also just starting out with your printer and you'll find out that you can maybe dial it up a little more than you think. You're going to start conservatively right. and, then, and then realize the layer well, heights I, maybe I can be printed, a little higher. Yeah. I just printed whatever was on the, the SD card, so I don't know what the settings were for it. Yeah. Right. The, the other thing is the Prusa, Prusa printer can print faster than the Ender. It's one of the things True. They, yeah. they talk about because of the way yeah. it's designed. Um, but it's also like the Z axis. Every layer higher you get, it actually takes more time. I've found. The, the taller I make something, the the longer it takes. And if I make something like if I if for the for the viewers uh, on the YouTubes, I made this little uh, it's a kickstand for a baby monitor. This is the broken one. Oh, I don't yeah. have the, the real one. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little kickstand. Uh, and that was a 30 minutes to print on 100% infill because I didn't want it to break again. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's like, it definitely could have been faster than that. I could have probably printed it in 15 minutes if I wanted to. But mm. that's the... I, I'm with you, Morley. I don't want to see all this stuff go into landfill because a stupid little part like this broke. Like it just yeah. seems like such a waste, um, in yeah, it, in so many ways. If if you you look at it, of even the videos that Molly's made in the past, like someone threw out that 
um, typewriter because it was broken. Or that I think time he clock it. because it was broken. Well, you know what I mean? Though? Like though, That could have been sentimental to someone and someone would just throw that out because it's broken, not knowing that they could easily repair it and have that sentimental thing in their life for longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those those were being sold, I think, because no one was using them. But it's the same kind of neglect um, idea. It's, you know, you have a lot of yeah. perfectly good things that are people are getting rid of. Uh, and, you know, I mean, like a, a punch clock is borderline obsolete. Like, no, most people don't really need one beyond the novelty. <laughs> yeah, I, I, underst- I understand that. But, but it doesn't have to be a punch clock or a typewriter. There, there are things that people throw away that could be sentimental that they're like, oh, sure. this doesn't work anymore. Why do I bother keeping it? Right. Well, there's things like, that people throw away that are not sentimental all the time. Mm. I throw away yeah. so much stuff that's just like, oh, it's slightly broken, throw it away. And I don't want to be that yeah. way. But at the same time, if I don't need it, like I'm not going to give my garbage to someone else is the problem. And I don't want yeah. to spend time actually, repairing it. I actually really enjoy watching Grant with his printer because things like that, that I would never think of, like you've done like the cool stuff, like Hot Wheels tracks and stuff, but I never would have popped into my head. Oh, the stand's broken on my baby monitor. I can just print a new one. You know, well, that was more, morally inspired. Hmm. Well, and my wife said, I got something for you to 3d print. Oh, my wife, funny. my wife was so against me getting a 3d printer just because it's like another thing for me to buy and never use. And then as soon as it got here, can you print me this? Can you print me this? Can you print me this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I, I feel what you were saying, Grant, about the time thing. Like it's outside of making YouTubes, it is definitely hard for me to justify maintaining things in my life. Like my bike is in shambles right now because I've sort of allowed it to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a vicious cycle because like in university, I left it outside and it started getting a little worse for wear. And at that point it was already old. It was my sister's old bike. I didn't care about it very much. I I didn't feel like I needed to, to really maintain it. And then at a certain point you're just like, well, now this is a beater bike and I'm just kind of, kind of let it ride it into the ground and then I'll get a new one, uh, which, you know, kind of stinks because uh, there's lots of bikes out there. Although in COVID there has become a bike shortage. I would say a lot of the, the demand has met the supply. Yeah. And bikes are constantly being like stolen and like ripped down and turned into their bare metal. It's one of the things that are pretty easy to pick up and steal and just turn into parts. Mm-hmm. So in thinking about parts, is there something about like, so I was reading uh, my car magazine, Hagerty, it's the insurance uh people that insure classic cars and they one of the articles in it this uh, month was about having a parts car and over time I've had lots of different parts cars um, that have been stripped and and used to repair other cars but then I also think like that parts car could have been someone's thing that they wanted to repair like one man's trash is another man's treasure so what are your thoughts of of kind of like buying something to rip it apart and repair another thing hmm. i mean i don't think it's uh it's necessarily wrong to do that um i think i think there's a lot of ways you can like pay things forward that you don't have use for anymore and kind of like regain that karma like i recently 
got rid of a bunch of tools that were either like repeats or I just upgraded to better ones. And I just put a box out on the curb of like, these tools all work, take them. And they were all gone because people like tools and they're very, very useful. Um, You know, I think like things have a, items might have like three, four owners over the course of their life. So just because you might use it as a parts car for a little while, doesn't mean that that's kind of the end of its life. Maybe then all those parts will go somewhere else or you'll sell the car, which is already in shambles to someone else who will use it for other things. I used to think about that when I was a kid, like when my parents would have used cars and I would always like daydream about like, what did the people before that? What were the people who had this car before us? Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I know we've like from the race team, we've bought a lot of cars that had like fender benders or more serious accidents to just take parts off of them. Um, and a couple of them, like we turned one into an ice race car because it it ended up running better than we thought. And we bought it not knowing it was an all wheel drive version. Um, so we got it and it was an all wheel drive version. And we're like, well, none of the parts we wanted are even on this car because we wanted the rear wheel drive version, but they didn't. Anyways, you, sometimes you buy stuff online. You don't know what you're buying. Uh, so we turned it into an ice racer and that was fun. But in terms of like, I, a lot of those cars, maybe parts of them uh, lived on somewhere else, but in the end, they got crushed. Yeah. Right. But then they get recycled and they get made into new cars. Totally. This is not a total waste. I think- Oh, no. It's it's hard to justify repairing cheap things. It just feels kind of futile. And- Yeah. I mean, I'm young. I haven't had much money for- my adult life at this point. And so like, I haven't bought very many nice things, but as I'm starting to like gain a little more disposable income, I am thinking a little bit more about like trying to buy higher quality things. And I think that does incentivize me to take care of them and repair them as well. Like, you know, people say, if you buy expensive sunglasses, you stop losing them because you start caring about them. And that's definitely the case for me. Like when I finished my first year of university, I bought my pair myself a pair of nice sunglasses as like a reward for myself. And I still have them now. And I mean, it's not been super long. It's been like six, seven years, but um, I've almost lost them a few times, but I always find them in the end. And Mm -hmm. like, I want to keep them around. Like I have this sort of attachment to them now because I spent the money on them, but also because they've just like been in my life for this amount of time. I won't let my wife buy sunglasses, but expensive sunglasses anymore. She's lost like five, $400 pairs. Like, yeah, you can just wow. buy cheap ones now. <laughs> I, um, I lost, I lost one pair, expensive pair ones, but, um, I was going to say something. I can't remember. Oh, it's, no, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Some things though are more expensive to repair than they are to just replace. Like a TV, right. for instance, if the screen gets broken, it is so much cheaper to just go buy a new TV than it is to replace the screen. Right. Well, and a lot of things are more expensive to repair now just because people don't want to repair them. Like you used to it's, get an alternator. Yeah. You used to get an alternator or a starter repaired or rewired. And now like even the core charge used to be a thing because they used to take them and rebuild them. And the core charge used to be like 50 or a hundred dollars, depending on what the thing was. Now core charges are like $10. It's like, it's not even worth yeah. repairing. I'll just throw, like if, if I don't have it out of the car yet and I have to go back for $10, I'll put it in the garbage. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I wonder, yeah, I and, I've, and I've thought about this in my own videos 
And I wonder if like with the supply chain issues and inflation, if like repairing your own things, even if it may be, it might've been a year ago more expensive, if it's going to have a bit of a resurgence because it's going to become and has become more difficult to get stuff from overseas. Right. Well, and a lot of times repairing stuff isn't, isn't actually more expensive if you don't count the labor. If you're doing it yourself, because you don't, if you don't have any money to repair it or buy a new one, then your labor is free. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right? exactly like, right. You'd take like the alternator, for instance, right? It You could buy a new alternator for what, 60 bucks? Roundabout. Depends, yeah. That's about what I've paid in the, in the past. Who in their right mind is going to pull an alternator apart and repair it for $60? If it took them an hour, that's $60 an hour in labor they're going to charge plus all the parts on top. Like it's, there's no way they could make it cheaper than to just buy a new one. I know. It's crazy. I got to say there's a lot of people on YouTube that don't understand the concept of uh, hourly rates as a, when you're running a business versus <laughs> if you're working for someone else. Cause I'll tell you in like working for this video, they're like, man, I wish I could make $60 an hour for doing some carpentry. And I'm like, well, do you know what overhead is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not responding to any of those comments, but it's just like, man, like give it a thought for a half a second. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny with, with the YouTube site because people just assume that you do nothing and get heaps of money, but they don't see like the 12 hour days you put in and you're probably earning like 40 bucks an hour if you're lucky. Yeah. Oh, 40, 40 would be nice. I'm, I'm lucky to get 40 bucks a month. Uh. <laughs> but that's an aside topic that has nothing to do with repairing. But when yeah. I think about, I, I do think you raised a valid point about repairing stuff and how much it costs because they're able to make stuff so cheap today. But are they making stuff so cheap that it needs to be repaired more often? And I think, I think it's going to happen if inflation continues to be as crazy as it is right now. I think you're going to see a resurgence of repair. And I, yeah, really I mean, like, I, I'm know. kind of hoping, I mean, it sounds kind of morbid, but I'm kind of playing on that with my videos I'm making. I'm like, I feel like this is going to be a really popular thing or will become more popular. Yeah. I think the big thing, like with the, I think in the, in Europe, they have the right to repair laws that I think need to catch on worldwide because a lot of the problems aren't, it's not that I couldn't repair it. I've taken apart an iPod before I've taken apart my Blackberry, um, just for fun because it was stopped working. And I said, well, if it stopped working, maybe I can fix it. And I've totally fixed a couple of things that I've taken apart that had, I had no business, you know, using a hairdryer to take the screen off of my phone and pop a screen from another. Anyways, I did a lot of stuff that I had no business doing. And in the end, my phone started working again. So, you know, there's, there's ways you can repair stuff if you know how and if they allow it. And I know Apple is really bad about not allowing anyone else to repair their products. And I know in, in Europe, there's they passed a law, it's the right to repair, that makes it so that they have to make parts available to third-party places. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really, really good thing that should continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. It's, I don't, it's weird in North America because I feel like there's so many unofficial 
Apple repair stores or just like phone repair stores? And is the, is the thing that it just voids the warranty? Because you can go to the mall and get your iPhone battery changed by whatever random reseller. So a battery is it's a bit different because you can get generic batteries. But if you wanted an iPhone screen or the camera on your iPhone broke, you know, those are all things that are technically modular and could be repaired. Right. And instead, they try and sell you on a brand new phone. Right. Right. Yeah, so you can also get knockoffs because there's always going to be knockoff stuff available. But then you're replacing, say you have a brand new phone that two weeks into it, you dropped and smashed the screen. Do you want a knockoff screen on your $1,000 phone? Probably not. Yeah. It is It is funny how we think about phones. And Van Neistat says something a bunch, which is like, basically, tools are very cheap compared to technology. So buy nice tools. And it's like, yeah, you never think about that. Like everyone is carrying around like at least a $1,000 piece of technology in their pocket that they're replacing every two years or whatever. But then like, you know, they're hemming and hawing over the $200 drill versus the $100, $100 drill. And it's an, like an interesting priorities, especially when woodworking tools and things last a lot longer than phones do, but they're way cheaper. Hmm. I think I think it's a lot harder when it's a hobby. Like if, you, if you're using your tools every single day, like on a job site, you're willing to pay that extra amount of money. But if you're using a drill maybe once a week, you're not as willing to use it. Whereas a phone, for instance, you're using it every single day, you're willing to pay the money because you want it to work right and you want to, you're using it a lot. I think the big difference is there is no other option with phones. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's a. It's kind of like this artificial market which has been created by tech companies. <laughs> totally, yeah. Like most people, you know, I mean, we've created this world where you can do so much on your phone, but you know, you, you don't need the $1,200 phone. Like if you have the $400 phone, most people could probably be totally fine. Good Good luck finding a, good luck finding a $400 phone morally. Well, you just get a used one. But that's not, you're not, now you're comparing apples to oranges. I'm just saying like. Versus upgrading to the latest thing, there are other options that most people don't. I paid five hundred for my Samsung, brand new, and it works perfectly and it's, fine. It's it's something I fall into all the time. Every time, so Eden is a huge proponent of buying used stuff, but I definitely have a bias against buying used tech like computers and phones. Mm-hmm. I just like I, I've heard bad things about it, and if I'm going to mm-hmm. spend that much money, like I want there's this thing in my brain that is like, I want to be the first person to own this. And I don't know what have happened to it beforehand. I um, will never, yeah. ever, ever buy a used phone because Same. there are things that they'll drop in the water or they'll drop it. And there's just like so much that can go wrong. Like, so I, and I've had a phone, the last four phones I've had, the cameras all stopped working properly because I dropped them. Yeah. So I've had like lens issues. It won't zoom properly. It won't do things. I've had uh, the GPS antenna stopped working. It's not like something that you would be able to test with using the phone like in a few seconds when you're checking it out with someone. But right. the GPS antenna like disconnected. So you couldn't – the GPS just didn't work. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things are life cycle too. Like your, your battery only has a certain number of charges that it's good for. 
Yeah. 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 I think um, to take it back to the tool part of it, though, I think that if you don't know better, you don't really understand about spending the money as well. Like I, for instance, like with all my Ryobi stuff, I'm like, why do I need to spend $300, $400 on a drill? What's wrong with the $100 drill? It's fine. But then I've bought, I bought a sander and, or I've used a sander that was worth a lot more. And I'm like, wow, this is why you buy better tools. Like I, I won't (laughs) buy another cheap Ryobi sander. Like I'm going to, next time I I buy a new sander because my sander broke. When I go buy one, I will definitely be buying a good quality sander. And you sand a lot longer than you drill for. Like drilling is a split second thing. You're going to be sanding for 30, 45 minutes. Right. And you're not going to – so you've got a Ryobi graveyard. Have you ever repaired any of them? No, they're all in – they're all gone. I threw them all in. Yeah. 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 I kept them to to repair them, but I just never did. And I wonder if, like, you got those for free, right? Or at least a lot of them. So if you hadn't had, no, just, like, would I you be more incentivized to repair them? No, that's the thing. I bought them and they broke. I thought they you got, like, a lot of those tools for free. No, I, I have never got power tools for free. I've got, I've got a drill downstairs full of um, hand planes and stuff that are for free. Did you not win a Ryobi competition? Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I've only had one of those tools break. Yeah, I, I I'm thinking of like friends giving me stuff. You'd be, um, you'd be a terrible comp, uh, politician. Yeah. <laughs> so I, no, I you'd had, be a great had, politician. <laughs> Just deny it, even though it's true. <laughs> exactly. I, I've only had one of the tools break of the, the stuff that I got for free from Ruby and I messaged them and they sent me out a brand new one. No questions. Oh, nice. So, that's yeah. dope. A Ryobi's, that's one thing I'll give Ryobi. Their warranty stuff is amazing. They, they definitely have the best warranty on the market. Like you go to Bunnings and take a tool back that's a year old and say it broke. They'll give you a brand new one on the spot. Any other company, yeah. we have to send it away. Oh, interesting. We it, cool. yeah. Ours are all over the map and it's like whoever mm-hmm. you're dealing with and whether or not they're having a good day. Yeah. Um, I'll say, you know, when thinking about that, you know what they do with those tools? They throw them in the garbage. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I they, think they that's even so sad. That they didn't even take the old one, even no. so, it's even more sad to me that it's cheaper for these companies to just hand out new ones than to try and repair mm-hmm. and refurbish, and it's because they make them so cheap that they don't care. Though there well, are there are a bunch of companies that are doing really cool stuff with repairs, and that have made it their kind of identity to offer sort of lifetime warranty repairs. So, like everyone knows about, like Patagonia has great warranties and everything else fall raven also does super cool things like their clothing is expensive but you go into a fall raven store and they have an entire like repair setup in the back with an industrial sewing machine um well i've been thinking about getting a pair of fall raven pants for a little while just because they're they're made so well and you know that if anything happens that they will just repair it um Mm -hmm. i i have these hiking sandals called chacos and they were made for river rafting so they have like amazing grip in the water and they offer really cheap modular repairs. So because the sandals are so simple, it's basically just like a rubber sole uh, and then a series of straps running through it. So just recently, the strap on mine broke after owning them for something like four years. Uh, so I'll send them back and they'll replace the straps for like 15 bucks. The shoes originally cost like $140. Yeah. So they are a, they are a cool company for sure. 
And I think a, a lot of people don't realize that places will repair. But mm. a lot of places these days don't, right? Like a lot of places these days, you bring in something that's broken, they throw it in the garbage and give you a brand new one. And I think that's the sad part. So they have a lifetime repair or replace warranty, and they just end up replacing because it's just so much less hassle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the sad thing about – so it was a reciprocating saw with Ryobi. And all it was – you know you know on the reciprocating saw where the blade is, you've got like the foot that you Mm -hmm. run along, whatever you're cutting, that broke off. And they sent me out a whole new reciprocating saw to replace it. The the amount of electronics and stuff that inside of that that could have easily just been transplanted into a new machine, or even just fix that foot to to make it work again. But they to them, it's so much cheaper and easier for them just to send out a brand new tool than to fix that tool. Yeah. Okay. I have a question, and this is something that I know some people have dealt with that are listeners is if you got something brand new and you open up the box and it's broken, do you try and repair it yourself? Do you take it back to the store? Do you call anyone? I know what I do, but I want to hear what you guys do first. I'm straight back to the store. It's dead on arrival. Yeah, same. Okay. I will get a refund or try to exchange or return it. I immediately try and fix it myself because I don't want to have to deal with anything. Any other people, I almost buy everything online. So dealing, trying to return something like. Returning stuff on Amazon is so easy. It, it is, but it isn't because it's like frustrating. And sometimes they charge you shipping when you return it. And it's, uh, it's and frustrating. Okay. It, it can be. And you have to go to the store. You have to bring it somewhere. It's just frustrating. And I want the thing now. Uh-huh. I ordered the thing. I don't want to have to wait for return it, get another thing. Two days later, I finally have this thing. No, I wanted to use it now. I, and I almost always am able to repair the thing. And so now I understand how it works better. In that scenario, I would send it back and immediately order a new one so that I still have the instant gratification of whatever I need and just know that I'll get a, you know, down the line, I'll get a refund of the original. I don't really buy much stuff online that. I've had break. Uh, the only thing actually that I've had really break is I bought a bag and the zipper broke and they said, send it back to us and we'll send out a new one. I just never responded because I could not be stuffed. Whereas when I talk about, I take it back is I'm taking it straight back to the shop. I just bought it from. So I'm getting a new one straight away. Right. If I had, I guess, to, but- if I actually had to go through the process of returning something I bought online, I probably would have a different answer. Yeah. I guess it all depends on what it is, but like I bought a vacuum mm. And the the wheel was broken, so I took it apart and I fixed the wheel. Okay, I you know in that scenario I could see myself fixing it because it's also like if you immediately can see what's wrong and it's within your capabilities to fix, then it's also kind of a fun project. Right, and I can't. I know like Keith from Blackthorn Concepts, he got a CNC that he's been battling with, and he's been dealing with trying to get repair items because they keep sending him broken stuff, and he is very frustrated by it. And I think if he could go back in time, he wouldn't try and repair it. He would have sent it right back immediately. Yeah. Something like that I would definitely be sending back. I, I When I first un- opened my 3D printer and put it together, the bed wouldn't heat up. And I put in the Discord about it. And my first thought was, please don't make me have to send this back. Like, I don't want to have to wait for it and all that sort of stuff. It turned out just – I don't even know what it was. I – 
pulled the wires off, like I unscrewed them from the motherboard, put them back in, and then it all worked fine. So it must have just been a loose wire. But yeah, my first my first thought was, I hope I can fix this because I don't want to have to send it back. So well, there, there you go. So I bought something online that came. It wasn't working properly, and I fixed it. <laughs> Well, there you go. There's, there's the answer to your question. <laughs> After you said complete opposite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great politician. Yeah. So uh, I'm running for president in 20-whatever it is. <laughs> 20-whatever it is. Perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, well, is there any other things you guys wanted to talk about repairing? Is there something that's you know beyond the scope of what we talked about yet? I think with some of these things, there's always costs that may not be like apparent up front. It's like, yes, it, you could you could get rid of that thing and buy a new one. And I've thought about that with my car before where it's like, you know, I, I, I originally was like, I want to drive this car into the ground. But, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, ooh, do I want to upgrade and get a bigger car? And it's it's like, yes, a new car is not going to have as much maintenance but it's also like more expensive. And then there's other things that are going to happen down the line. And it's like, it's, you got to factor all of those things in. And, and when, when it's something that maybe it is cheaper for you to genuinely just get a new one, those costs are just on other people. It's going to cost someone else. It's going to have an environmental cost. There's always costs somewhere. Yeah. It, we keep talking about vehicles and stuff. And I have a question for you guys. Would you ever buy brand new a vehicle? Because I know my answer. I want to see what you say. If I had stupid amounts of money, I would. would, would no, like you wouldn't get like a loan and go buy a brand new car? No. I buy my cars in cash. Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i similar to Grant. Like I don't see it as a – I don't have a, st- a hard stance on like I will never do that. If I have a – I don't think I'm going to take out a loan to buy a car. I think at that point I would just buy one used. But even okay, we'll say you were in the position where you had thirty grand to buy a car. Would you go buy a brand new car, or would you be shopping secondhand? Well, if I only had thirty grand, I'd be shopping secondhand because there's not. Yeah, much it's hard to get a new car for thirty grand these days. <laughs> yeah, one that's not okay. a pile of garbage. I would uh, need to, well, anyway. to. I would need like a hundred grand to buy a even, car. If I had a hundred grand sitting around, I don't think I'd buy a car. Okay, even if I had a hundred grand waiting on a car. I would still never buy brand new because in my opinion, why would I go spend a hundred grand on a car when I could buy the exact same car that's a year old, still has warranty and everything for 60 grand? Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. I I agree. I just can't can't justify. They're going crazy here. All the time people are selling cars that are less than a year old. Well, and there's the thing when like Hertz went bankrupt when COVID started, they were selling all those cars that had very low miles. Yeah. So in around my area, a year old car costs the exact same as a brand new car because you can't get brand new yeah. cars right now. Well, yeah. here, here, Still. here, the second you drive off the sale lot, you've lost 10 grand. Right. That's what I mean, they say. I, that, that's never. true in general. You guys are talking about two different scenarios. Like Grant's talking about like the current supply chain issue, COVID economy, and Adam, you're talking about like see, in well, the long it, term. No, I, I get that, but it's also yeah. I think the Australian um, mindset of you don't, you didn't. You, this car's not brand new. I'm not paying you full price. 
like no, instantly that is, everyone's that is just 100% like, no what Rumble. it was two years ago and now yeah. it's not it's crazy now car prices are stupid but anyways yeah. I, I would definitely buy a brand new car if I knew like there was no reason I would not I don't care if it's if I wanted something very specific, I have built and priced yeah. out cars lots of times where I'm like, this is the color I want, the seats I want, the the options I want. I want this, this, and this, and I can't find it used. And if I can't find it used, yeah. I, it's because I want, I want, I never want black, white, or silver, right? And all the cars out there are black, white, silver, and beige. And I don't want any of those colors. I want the like red and cool green and blue and all the fancy colors and you never find that with all the good options anyways yeah i repair all my cars myself as well so i don't know <laughs> it would be nice to one to have a couple years off from repairing cars well i <laughs> i when i went and when i took the the wheel for my motorbike in yesterday to get repaired i asked them for a quote for a service um and they said it was four hundred dollars and i'm like i can buy the oil filters, everything for under a hundred. Like I'll do that myself. But then they started talking about like that includes the gapping, the um, cylinders spark or whatever. Plugs. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. No, not the spark plugs, but the all the gaps and stuff they got to do. Whatever it is. And I was like, that stuff I don't know how to do. I don't know enough about bikes to do that. So I'll pay someone to do it. But little things like changing oil is so simple that I'll do it myself. In uh, Zen and the Art of Motor Motorcycle Maintenance, he talks about like motorcycle repairs versus car repairs, and that like for him, getting his car, bringing his car to a shop was worth it because like car repairs are so commodified and they're so set up to do it efficiently that it's not that much more expensive to have them do it than to do it yourself for the sorts of yeah. repairs that he was getting. But he was saying that like for motorcycle repairs, those are the things that he likes doing himself because it's hard to find motorcycle shops and everything is really accessible. So it is possible to do it yourself. And so ever since it I read really that is, book, yeah. I always thought like, Oh, if I get a bike, I think it'd be fun to try to do all the repairs myself because it is really accessible to do that. You know why it's really accessible is the biggest reason is because you never are just your motorcycle. You're always, I have a motorcycle and a car, right? Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, it's a good point. It, if you had two cars, Morley, you could definitely do all the repairs on your cars. Well, that's why I have more than one car, right? So the transmission you know, I, went on my car. Well, two weeks later of the car sitting up on a on a jet thing, I was repairing the transmission. I had it completely apart on a desk, right? But I had another car, so it didn't matter. So funny story on that front. Uh, our neighbors across the laneway have a Volkswagen what is it like the T3, the 1980s, like Eurovan Westphalia that uh, they are selling. And I was talking to them about it. And this is like, this is the, this woman's baby. She bought it and fixed it up and they drove it all around. And it was basically their vacation plan, but I think they're downsizing or moving or something. So she needs to get rid of it. And I was expecting it to be really expensive because if you go on Kijiji around here, there are not many of those vans and most of them like, even if they're barely running or at least $20,000. Yeah. So I, I was like kind of just thinking about it and talking to Ian about it. I was like, I feel like it would be, there's a fun alternate universe where like we buy this and like do van life or fix it up or something, but it would just be so difficult with our current situation because 
it's going to take over our life. It's not going to be like, I don't want to trade it in for the car that I have right now. Cause like that's, I don't want that to be my daily driver and eat it. Well, not for me, but for Eden, who's uh, using a car a few times a week for her job right now. Um, and so out of curiosity, I asked them how much they were selling it for. And they said $8,500. Mm. I was like, wow, that is way less than I expected for like a, it, it, for a running Volkswagen Westphalia. Like so, the eighties version, yeah, yeah. So they're not as nice. No, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna get it. <laughs> Although, if we move, which we might be doing, uh, I'll reconsider it. Oh, where are you thinking of moving to? Possibly Aurelia. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we'll Is see. That closer or further away from Grant? Mm, it's kind of like parallel. <laughs> Yeah, okay. it's probably further because it's like deeper into the country. So it's off yeah. the highway. Yeah, but it's probably actually takes less time because there's no traffic. Yeah, just highway the whole way. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, I want to thank our patrons. I want to especially thank our uh, F Clamp level patrons. Uh, Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking, Vincent Ferrari from Because We Make, Austin from the High Caliber Craftsman, Scott Oram from Dad It Yourself DIY, and we have a new F Clamp level this week, Joe Herdina. Uh, thank you very much, Joe, for joining on. Um, everyone who supports us on Patreon uh, gets access to the pre show and the after show. It's a separate RSS feed you can put in your podcast player, or you can just go to patreon.com slash clamp and you can listen to it there. Uh, you also get a numbered keychain made by Morley. I'm sure he's making some right now because we've recently got a few new patrons. Um, so thank you very much to everyone who's uh, joined up on that. If you can't support us financially, completely understand. We would appreciate if you uh, would share the show or read a review, which is something we're going to be doing a little later. Clementations. So one of my favorite bands just came out, I believe, with their second tiny desk concert by npr music which is a fantastic series that is highly lauded if you like music i would totally recommend any npr tiny desk concert it's big thief i was listening to it right before we recorded um and it's absolutely fantastic they're like an indie folk rock band um the lead singer has like an absolutely striking voice but I, I wouldn't say she like overshadows the rest of the group, which are also like amazing musicians in their own right and have like really good harmonies, pretty like timeless music as well. Like you hear their songs and you're like, this could be from any decade in the last 60 years. Um, so they're, they're like definitely a really amazing band to see performing right now. Cool. So yeah, Big Thief's most recent Tiny Desk Home Concert. Awesome. Cool. Hmm. Uh, my recommendation for this week is going to be a YouTuber I found today, actually, called Biker Bits. He is an Australian. I think he lives in Queensland who does his YouTube channel is pretty much just all bikes. Um, and the reason I started watching is because he has the same bike that I have. Um, well, I've got the, the higher up model, but he bought an older version of my bike and he is – completely like tore it down repainted it cut stuff up like made it look into a completely different bike and yeah it was a cool series cool about halfway through it well i'm going to recommend everyone go check out a channel uh 
The guy's name is Mark McClooney. He is an Irish guy. He uh, he doesn't have Instagram, so he's not going to even see this. He probably doesn't even listen to podcasts, but he is a criminally undersubscribed uh, channel. He's only got 450-something uh, subscribers, even though he's been making videos for many years. He always comments on my videos and has nice things to say, and he makes little fun videos uh, every once in a while. Uh, and sometimes even travels and shows some of the fun places he travels to. So go check him out. And if you go there and, uh, you know, make sure to comment and say, Grant told me to come. Now, Adam has something to say. <laughs> Do I? I meant after. Anyway, um, I just, I meant to say this earlier, but, you know, I got distracted with the whole um, update and everything. I just want to say thank you to all of our sponsors for the challenge. We haven't done yes. that yet. And I just want to say like, we are so grateful. I'm sure none of them are going to listen, but everyone that is listening, go to clampcast.com forward slash clamp challenge. Is that right? Clamp dash challenge. Clamp dash challenge. Yep. Clamp dash challenge. And look at our list of sponsors and check them out. Like they, they're sponsoring this this challenge and giving so much to us that the, the least we can do is try and send some people their way. Um, and they all make great products. So, And I will read out the names because I happen to have the list up. So we've got prizes from Keen Utility, Isotunes, Timbacon, KJP Select Hardwood, who I do know listens to this uh, podcast, FrogPod, Andrew Zito, he also listens, Ethan Carter. He listens. Bear make it. He listens. Lots of people listening. CCW router slits. There you go. Listen. Uh, a weird guy. He listens. Dean Duplantis. Yeah, he listens. Dana Maid. He listens. Lots of the sponsors listen to this podcast. So thank you very much to all of you. Uh, it, it's awesome to to be able to host this challenge. And, and like Adam said, yeah. thank you. Now, at this point in the podcast, we usually do Adam's Australian Word of the Week. But luckily this week, we don't have to do it because we have a review and Morley is going to read it out loud in the accent of someone from Virginia. Yes. So uh, our good friend, are you ready for this spot on Virginia accent? Yes. This is good because I know what he sounds like. Love the show. I enjoy hearing the different takes <laughs> from each host with their different backgrounds and age range. Uh, looking forward to future episodes. That is from uh, Austin via Apple Podcasts, and he gave us the the five stars. Ah, that was that was bang on. I don't right? honestly. It's like well, the best one list- I've ever done. When I listen to his podcast, um, I don't often hear him speak that much. So it was hard. I, I know you had a very limited amount of material to work from, but yeah, puzzle yeah. pieced it together. Yeah, that's, that was really good. Uh, well, on that note, thank you, TF Turning, for the theme song. We do have to get back in touch with him and get the new uh, new one getting recorded oh, yeah. for for I don't know whatever the whenever at some point in the future we'll have another new theme song. Um, Everyone, you can find us looking everywhere on all the social media places by searching for Clamp uh, or just searching uh, for us individually. I'm at the Grant Alexander, Morley's at Morley Kurt, and Adam's at Maker Mackey. Until next time, cheers and have a great day.
See ya. Bye.